Welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Everything center fire and rim fire. Appreciate you guys out there taking the time to listen to me flap my bill. Uh, we've got really good stuff going on today. But first, I needed to answer a question. Let me pull that up real quick. That way I don't get it wrong. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Deal with my inefficiencies here. I had to get rid of some crap on my on my phone. Now I don't know where my mail app is. Oh, there it is. All right. Uh, okay. This came in. I have been shooting more groups at 100 yards with my 7.62 semi-auto recently, prone with a bipod and a rear bag. And I've noticed that the rifle wants to roll itself counterclockwise during recoil, and I consistently have to can it back over to level after every shot. Any idea what is causing this and what should I do to fix it? Uh, P.S. Your podcast is rocks. I appreciate the appreciate the kind words. Okay, so whenever we we're going to shoot our guns like this, whenever you you said specifically that this is a semi-auto, well, here's what's going on whenever you're shooting a semi-auto that you don't have with a bolt gun. Every time you shoot a semi-auto, you're going to get three distinct recoils. The first one is the round going off. The second one is the bolt and bolt carrier group going to the rear, uh, ejecting the spent case, and you get a counter recoil going forward when the gun reloads itself. And so people say all the time to me, they say, hey. I I just feel one recoil. I said, yeah, okay, but whenever you get to the end of the magazine, do you know the reason that it didn't go bang or do you think you have a malfunction? Well, if you spend any time with them, you're going to know. You're just going to know, okay, that was the last round. You know, drop the magazine, put a new magazine in, uh, bolt forward, move on down the road. Well, you see that, that because that little lizard part of your brain, it didn't understand that it didn't, it didn't feel that third counter recoil when a gun reloaded itself. So you automatically know this is not a malfunction. I'm just out of bullets. I need to, I need to resupply gas it up. Uh, so that's, that's what, what, what you're doing here is you've got a lot of moving parts that are going on. Now, why is it canting off to the left on your shots? Uh, it happens to a lot of people and people are saying, okay, well, when the bullet hits the rifling, it causes a torque on the gun. I don't buy that. I, the torque that, you know, with a bullet hitting the rifle, just not enough. Um, but what is happening is you're probably not straight behind that gun. And because your semi-auto has more of a pistol grip, probably what you're doing is you're not holding that gun straight into your shoulder and you probably have a little bit of pressure on your wrist kind of leaning into the left side uh, meaning like your thumb or the top of your hand where you're holding it is kind of adding a little bit of pressure to the left side now there's a reason for this and i can explain it really good if you go up and let's say you're you're getting ready to get into a sparring match and you pick up your dukes you know you put your hands right in front of you if you look down at your hands you'll see that your right hand is slightly canted to the left and your left hand is slightly canted to the right you don't have your fist straight up and down like rock'em sock'em robots. And the reason is, is because you know it's more of a natural feeling and you have more power for your punch. Well, you can actually do that with your gun too. And so you're putting differential pressure whenever that gun goes off. Uh, every muscle in your body is going to relax for half a second, uh, not even a half a second, a millisecond. And that's probably where you're getting the torque that's coming over. So try holding that gun more straight into your shoulder pocket and get straight behind it. If you're unfamiliar about getting straight behind the gun, go search the internet for one of my videos on getting straight behind the gun. But, um, that this will help you, uh, do don't feel like the lone ranger with this. Um, I know how to correct this. Ask me how I know I'm raising my hand because it happened to me a lot in the beginning, but it just, it, we're putting differential pressure on that gun anywhere it, the recoil is going to exploit that weakness and so you're probably i would have to guess that you're probably getting a little bit of rifle hop to the left as well 
And so you're having to not only straighten the gun, but also move the gun back on there. There, make sure you're getting straight behind the gun. Make sure you're holding the gun straight into your shoulder pocket and drive the gun through recoil. Um, I, I've used this explanation in my classes a lot. If you're in the Target parking lot and you're driving in your car and there's a big speed bump up ahead, you're going 10 miles an hour. So you slow down to five miles an hour to go over the bump and then you speed up to 10 miles an hour again. But while you're going over the speed bump, you don't stop driving the rifle recoil is your speed bump don't stop driving the gun just because the gun's doing its job stay with it don't leave it out there all by itself and it will respond to you You get to the point to where you don't have to worry about the gun's not going to jump it's going your target's going to stay right in your field of view no issues whatsoever so try that out if it doesn't work email me back again you have my email address roap at riflesonly.com anybody else out there got any questions training or about the companies that we've been trying to showcase lately that have been so good to the shooting industry uh y'all just use that use that email address again R-O-A-P at riflesonly.com stands for Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. In keeping with the fact that we wanted to increase the quality and quantity of our uh, podcast, uh, today we're definitely increasing the quality. Uh, We've got, we have with us today, Mike and Eric from Defiance Machine. Say hi, guys. Hi, Jacob. How's it going? Hey. Hey, Jacob, how's it going? Going good, man. Uh, once again, thank you guys for taking the time to to come and, and visit with me. And and uh, I, I want to do this to kind of get, you know, the the word out about your company. If people are under a rock and they don't know who Defiance Machine is, that's uh, that's their problem. But uh, I wanted to kind of showcase that you guys are, are very, very big in the industry, not only for the, the products that you build and sell, but also the support of the shooting community. You, I don't know how many years you guys have been donating to our brawl down here, and it's greatly appreciated and i know i'm not the only one that you guys support and so i just wanted to take some time um you know get to know each other a little bit better find out the processes on on these actions that y'all build and kind of move from there i guess what we'll do is we'll start out with you uh mike what who who are you how old are you where did you come from uh how come we're having this conversation today (laughs) okay yeah um well i'm 47 years old um i uh, grew up in rural Oregon and, um, you know, just always a kind of a gun enthusiast. My dad was, and, and he and I actually, you know, worked gun shows buying and selling guns when I was a little kid. Um, and then I was out shooting pellet rifles and 22s and stuff on our, on our property all through growing up. And, and, um, then I, uh, out of high school, I got into machining, um, you know, and like in, in like 1995. So I've been in, in machining and manufacturing ever since. Um, uh, you know, I eventually like started building custom rifles because, you know, I could use kind of these skills I've learned in, into, you know, a passion that I have. And, uh, yeah, so started building some rifles, starting, um, you know, pursuing long range shooting and precision shooting. Um, and, uh, eventually ended up out here in Montana. Um, and I met Glenn Harrison, uh, and his wife, Lisa and, um, defiance was pretty new then, um, uh, they started in 2009 this was in early 2010 and um uh now they were kind of starting over they had they had left one company <clears throat> but they had been involved uh either owned or heavily involved in in bold action manufacturing for geez about two decades at the time mm-hmm. and uh so um but they were they were kind of starting over and they needed they're they're ready to hire their first employee by the time I knocked the door so um, I basically helped them run CNC machines at the time, um, had a lot of experience with that, but also some, some rifle building experience and stuff like that. So, um, 
been with the company ever since and and um, done a little bit of everything here um and uh, did you know while I was in like sales at here um I, I got pretty involved in in competitive shooting for a while it was mostly PRS at the time and um I don't know shot those matches for about five or six years and learned a lot about that and um just can continue to kind of grow the company and do whatever I can to be valuable. All right. Very good. And you, Eric? Uh, well, so I'm Eric. I'm um, 52. I've been in the firearms industry. What's your last name, Eric? Over three decades. Uh, Stecker. Stecker. Eric Stecker. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Um, so I, my career started with Walt Berger and Berger Bullets um, just out of high school. Uh, I actually started working for him as labor and, you know, the short version is I got into Ventra shooting. I got into F-class shooting. I got very heavily involved in the operation. And uh, about 20 years later, I was president and uh, my minority share owner of Burger Bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sold to Namo that owns Lapua, uh, mm-hmm. Vitavori, and SK and all those brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I was I was then I became uh, president of Capstone. Um, that's significant to this where all this is headed but we can get into that later um so i so i was there for a couple of years and um decided it was a good time for me to move on um decided to wander the earth like Kwai Chang king for a little while mm-hmm. and then an opportunity presented itself at mcmillan that um sounded exciting gave me something to do that uh, wandering the earth bit has a shelf life for me anyway mm-hmm. and uh, so i ended up with mcmillan um I've known Kelly for a long time. He made me GM of McMillan. And it was shortly after that, I found out that a guy by the name of Bob Beck uh, was interested in buying McMillan and have been talking with Kelly about that for quite some time. And then, uh, and Bob and I had been friends. Uh, Bob was a, a sponsor. or I, We sponsored Bob's television show uh, while I was with Burger. And we knew each other very well, been friends, you know, basically since we met, you know, sort of happens with some folks. And, um, it just made a lot of sense to work with him and, and to work together. We talked, uh, and the short version is um, we came up with some exciting ideas based on the capstone model that we can get into more detail down the road. And so that's got us on the path of um, acquiring companies and building something um, that's going to emerge here over the next months and years. Um, that's going to, everybody's going to be clear on what, what it is we're up to. Um, but that's the, so the next step of that was getting into defiance. And so, um, we uh, learned about the opportunity with Defiance and um, worked those details out. And so then we became uh, involved with Defiance in uh, early December. Uh, and I was um, thrilled and excited about the quality of the people that were there. Uh, Mike and, and everybody else that I interacted with uh, was a, an incredible group. And um, we're just really happy to be involved and, and excited about going forward. So. Well, cool. That, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> All right. All right. Very yeah. good. Very good. Well, I know that your your actions sure have a reputation. That's for sure. So uh, that's that's always a good thing. So, two thousand nine is is when uh, the company started, and then um, Mike, you've been there. You got there a year later, and then Eric, you're the new kid on the block. Then, yes. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, it's yeah. interesting. It's mm-hmm. interesting that you brought up that about Burger being bought by Lapua. It was. Um, I have an interesting story about them. Uh, a long, long time ago, back before there was um, color on TV sets, uh, I was going to go to <laughs> I was going to go to Finland to do the national sniper competition there, and so 
um, we were, the, I went with a teammate and we were going to be the only team there. And it was, they found out about it. Lapua found out about it. They're huge sponsors, you know, right there in Finland. And, um, so mm-hmm. they said, Hey, um, are, are you, you know, y'all are coming. And he says, uh, are y'all shooting our ammo? And I said, well, we happen. Yes, we are. We're shooting the 308 uh, HPS and then, you know, the 338 Lapua in the, in the 250. And, uh, they said, well, do you need any ammo for practice? So no, nah, no, nah, we're good. And he says, well, we're going to send you a case anyway. So they sent a 600 round case of 338 Lapua and a 600 round case of their 308. And then they said, and don't bother bringing ammo across the pond. He says, we're going to set aside your ammunition for the competition and it's going to be the same lot. And I thought, man, they didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? They really didn't have to do that. We were set to do this, but I just thought that was pretty nice of them. And, you know, they were, they were extremely gracious. Cool company. Yeah. Oh yeah, very very professional. Um, well, they're you know they're, I mean, their NAMO was founded to basically create a mechanism that allowed for Norway, the Scandinavian countries, to basically arm themselves. Right. And so that's that's what NAMO's foundational um, charter is, and it's since then that they've gotten involved into the commercial side. Well, you know, people who make bullets can make bullets for a lot of reasons. Right. Um, and so having the commercial division helps you know keep the lights on when you're not in the middle of a conflict, right. but it also helps the, you know, if you do get into a conflict. Yeah. And so they are, uh, they're very uh, long thinking, you know, well into the future, mm-hmm. uh, found strong foundationally. It's, it's a very, very sharp operation. No question. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I've seen it, I've seen it, you know, training, you know, all over the world, you know, from Australia to Estonia and then even, even the, the different allied countries that have come here, you know, I remember one unit came in and, they were all shooting 338 Lapua, you know, and it was just, you know, the Lapua ammo and everything else. And this 18-wheeler shows up and they drop off a pallet of this 338 Lapua ammunition. And I'm just like, holy smokes, there's a retirement right there. That's kind of nice. Right. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, look, let's get into this. I I, I go through your website. I, I go through your website before I do this just to kind of uh, pique my interest on the questions that I have. And so I'm looking at, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different actions. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot. Oh, and that's just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're, they're, m- most, most of them are all very customizable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> and that's something that, the, that Glenn set out to do is to uh, have a customizable action you know of the best best quality um but set up a process that allows us to to make semi-custom products in a in more of a production setting though so he there's a lot of automation and his programming is really uh unique and um allows for that so it, it puts us in a kind of a neat position and so that whenever you say that customization it's like how you want the rear the rear tang of the of the bolt to be is that works like that and then the different bolt handles and they're all they're all looks like they're all interchangeable it's it's yeah i mean maybe they're not all interchangeable between models but mm-hmm. um i mean there's a lot of the models you get to pick what what flutes you like i mean you right. can pick if they go right hand or left hand you can yep. pick shallow deep extra deep um there's different bolt noses some people like the flat bolt nose or recess right. bolt nose it's just like a remington we'll do a cone bolt nose on a lot of single shots uh yeah um we have the elite bolt nose which is the lighting plate extractors controlled round feed mm-hmm. uh, different you know different tanks different loading ports different moa in your in your scope mount 
um, different thread depth sometimes, uh, integral recoil lug or non-integral recoil lug. There's just, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, there's, there's certain models of actions that in our system, you can look and see how many variants we've made. And it's just thousands of variants (laughs) of that one model. Right. (laughs) Right. And, but just, just real quick on that. I want to head back to this. I want to start in the beginning with the, with the tangs, but I wanted to just bring forth. It it looks like that these bolt knobs are, they're just machined on. So I, I, like I, I order one and it's uh you know, I order one that the, the teardrop and then I decide, man, I really would like, you know, uh, a long tactical knob. I can, I can do that myself or do I have to send it back to you guys? Yeah, they're, they're just spread it on. Yeah, it's just spread it on. That's what I thought. It looks like you got some extensions on there too. I guess if, uh, uh, yeah, it looks like that. Those, those adapters are, so, so on our Deviant Rebel, th- those are the original actions um, mm-hmm. that we had. And that bolt handle is one solid piece of steel all the way out to the, pretty much the very end. And there's a, a, a thread there mm-hmm. and then a, a small knob threads onto the end of that. Right. And then, uh, the, that's the rebel and deviant. And then, uh, the ruckus tenacity, anti anti X and elite and whichever ones I'm else I'm forgetting. They, they have a, a longer knob, kind of like a handle that threads on closer to the bolt body itself. Okay. Um, so that's kind of two different styles, and they're made on two different machines, uh, styles of machines. Um, and then what's interesting is if you – okay, so maybe maybe you really like a bolt knob that was available for the Deviant, but now you're getting a ruckus. Right. So we made this adapter that, that screws in where a ruckus knob screws in, but you can screw on a Deviant knob on the end of that. Okay. Or or actually, because like Badger and, and other companies, uh, APA, and, and the, make, you know, they make some knobs that people like, mm-hmm. that, that, that allows you to use those knobs – on uh this like the newer style of actions we're making yeah okay all right well i want to talk about this rear tang a little bit first thing we need to do is define it okay yeah the the, the rear tang is basically the last you know inch inch and a half or so of the of the receiver um and you know it's it's kind of important because that's there's generally two action screws, you know, bedding your, your receiver into the stock mm-hmm. and you know one of one of them is back there right towards the end so um, we, we make a, called a standard tang, but that's going to mimic a Remington 700. Okay. Awfully close. And then a heavy tang is just a beefed up version of that. And it'll still drop into the same stocks that were inlet for a Remington, mm-hmm. but you get, you have more rigidity in the receiver that way. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's a real popular, any kind of precision, uh, action that we're doing where, you know, I'm, I'm seeing if there are people using it for competition or target shooting. Yeah. And um, it looks like your target tang is like a hybrid between the two of them. It's like a, it's beefy, but not, not as beefy. Actually the target tang is, is, is the thickest. I'm not looking is at the it? pictures there, but okay, the, well, I guess the, the, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's shorter too, but go ahead. Mike, yeah. Okay. yeah it's, it's, it's actually quite thick and it's, um, it usually gets kind of, uh, like mortised into a stock, but it's, it's, Primarily for like kind of like bench rest and F class stuff. Okay, all right, very <laughs> good. And you said you shot bench rest, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a that's one of those sportsmen that you know um, I I went like when I first you know started to really get serious about this. I went with a really good buddy of mine who's a you know big time bench rester, and uh, I said, man, this is this is a lot like watching the freaking paint dry he goes yeah but whenever you're behind the gun it's exciting as hell and i said yeah i get that so then i go out and shoot it a little bit i said he's exactly right i don't need to move move my fifth flag that i have between me and 100 yards it's kind of (laughs) cool 
Well, the the thing that the, the characterization of bench press shooters that I think is most appropriate is they're like model train engineers. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is they love to tinker. Mm-hmm. They love it. That's the fun. It's yeah. the, cause they'll, they'll shoot a great group and then they'll want to figure out, okay, what do I tweak? What neck tension do I tweak? What powder do I change? You know, all these, that's what they're, that's the part that they enjoy is the tinkering. Dude, they're the research and, so, and development. You know, they're the research and development. Exactly. Crew. That's what they do. That, I mean, right. that's what, I mean, you look at any cartridge out there it was, it was done in some bench resters garage to begin with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People just wanted to mess with that. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's one cartridge that has a different distinction, but we won't talk about that one. But at any rate, yeah, it, those guys, those are the, they are the R and D man. Those, everything is, uh, everything is, has, has, uh, float downhill from what we've learned from Pinterest. Well, and I, and I think uh, in my, this is entirely my opinion. So I want to make that very clear. I think one of the, re- uh, it, it commonly understood that Pinterest is uh, diminishing a bit. You know, the numbers of shooters are getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that ha- that lends itself to the notion of they've tinkered so much for so long that now, because the rules are the same, they basically settled on bedrock. Mm-hmm. There, there hasn't been a significant in Bentress competition, I'm not talking about Wildcats or just exploration of precision, but in registered Bentress matches, there hasn't been a significant change in cartridges used and caliber and all that in decades because they've basically refined it down to as precise as you can get. Yeah. Or at least as far as they can demonstrate. Yeah. And so I think because it's so tinker heavy, well, if there's no tinkering, now it's just basically a gear race yeah. and a gun handling race. If there's no tinkering, then even the true enthusiasts and the purists sort of get tired of it. So yeah. it's it's really suffering from its own success in a way. But we'll we'll see. Yeah. You know, you never know. There's folks got different ideas, and maybe they'll turn it around. But we'll see. Well, we're in that. Yeah. We're in that it's different. Definitely a tinker sport. Yeah, but we're we're in it. And you're you're right. You're right. But I mean, they they got us so far. You know what I mean? They got us really really far. Mm-hmm. And but then now mm-hmm. I think I think really for what we're doing for for long range field rifle. I think that the R and D department are is now is the ELR guys. I think those guys are, you know, they're they're still, you know, there's still an ocean of stuff that these guys are learning. And I have, you know, several friends that even had one guy on, you know, just the other day on the podcast. We were talking about it, but they're constantly they are there's no rules for them. And so they're con- they're tinkering mm-hmm. with that stuff. And it's like the, you know, for them, you know, where I don't know, I, I don't really know how to put this, but they can go ahead and they have their equipment refined down so much that, you know, whenever I first started out with this, you know, the, the thousand yards was the Holy Grail. Well, now a mile is a Holy Grail, you know, or 2000 yeah. or 3000, you know, those are the Holy Grails now. And they're, I mean, they're even the one guy I had on, he's even, you know, goes out and he has these things to where, you know, he, you can come in to his place for three days and it's it's just instruction on ELR, everything from equipment to reloading, and then you go out and shoot pigs, you know, at a thousand yards, fifteen hundred yards, two thousand <laughs> yards. I was like, man, I, I'm I'm going on that for sure. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> well, cool. Well, let's get back to this. Let, let's uh, we we're talking over here, and I said that y'all had you know nine different kinds of actions, and I think is more than that. But I wanted to because we we were talking about the hunting side of the house. I'm not real big on heavy heavy guns, but you know, I'll shoot them. Um, I'm, I'm looking at your action. You got the anti and the anti 2.0. And like I had said earlier, that's like, you're saying that is not titanium, but it's still light. And talk to me about that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people, uh, ask us to make titanium actions. uh, kind of always thought it's not really the best material for it. Um, 
couple things that you know deflects a little bit more than steel, uh, which can cause some you know there's a reaction there when under pressure, and then it it's kind of stickier can gall, so it's it's never going to be as smooth as the steels that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's kind of hard to charge a lot. You know, you'd have to charge more for an action based on the material itself, um, and maybe the machining, but uh, it, it's hard to charge more for an action that that you don't really think is as good as the others. So right. um, we we decided to take our steel actions that are proven and um, the materials are just work, work great together and make it as light as possible. So some, um, some creative things to remove weight in areas that, that don't, you know, aren't susceptible to pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we did. So, and, and we were kind of surprised when we actually started weighing on that they were, you know, right there with, with a comparable titanium action. I mean, okay. you know, with an ounce in, in most cases or whatever. So mm-hmm. they've been, incredibly popular incredibly mm-hmm. popular since since they came out um and and you know we've, we've kind of talked about um the shooting sports and and how um you know things keep progressing and and what's what used to be the holy grail and now is well that bleeds over into hunting and and mm-hmm. um you know folks are definitely wanting precision rifles for hunting these days so we, it's it's really a good solution for that yeah, that sounds good. Well, what what's your what is y'all's um, most? What's your best seller? What's your best seller in, in these actions that you have? I, I'm going to say probably the anti X. Uh, certainly, as a hunting action, mm-hmm. and then um, the 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 ruckus is basically a similar action that's just not lightened up like the anti X is. Okay. All right, and you, you're yes. saying that you're saying that, that that that's the one that seems to be the most popular. Yeah, a couple things is is uh, there. You know, we 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 added some machines at one point that that allowed us to make bolts uh, actually more efficiently, but also in one operation versus several operations, and that's where we get these tenacity, ruckus, anti anti X, mm-hmm. elite bolts. And, uh, we were able to guarantee the headspace on those. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we could, we could guarantee headspace on the other models, but we've been selling those models for years and years without guaranteed headspace. So it's, you know, kind of a, it'd be hard to go back and, and say, well, these are all this way. Right. So that makes, that makes the ruckus and anti X, uh, you know, there's an advantage there, especially for anybody that might want to you know grab prefit barrels. Um, and in fact, look, and, and not even like mass produced prefit barrels, but if you're a competitor and your gunsmith, you know, has, has your dimensions, they just make, uh, make barrels to those dimensions and you could actually even get another action and it's still going to, you know, fit on there. They, they all time and, and have guaranteed headspace. Right, right, right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm real familiar with that with, uh, I shoot actually international a lot and I've always been able to just, you know, swap barrels just super easy. So that, mm-hmm. that's good. And well, tell me if that's, I, I, I asked what your most popular one was. Is that the most popular one overall or just like with hunters? Well, Jacob, actually, if I may, Mike, if I can jump in here real quick. So in, in looking at, so it's a, it's an interesting question. And mm-hmm. obviously when we got involved in December, we certainly wanted to know what the best selling products are or best selling models versus the lesser selling models. And it's an interesting reality because actually the top two or three are within a very small amount of each other. Mm-hmm. So there isn't one that is the standout, clearest, distinguishable bestseller. But then on top of that, when you say um, nine models, 
each one of those models are in the different lengths. The the amount of variety is mind boggling. Right. So even when you try to break it down to which one's more popular, it really gets uh, confusing and it really gets complex. Right. Um, but the the top three brands, if you just look at the I'm sorry uh, models, if you just look at the nine models, are all within about twenty to fifty actions of each other. Yeah, so that's close. One. So that's real close. Yeah. So there, there is, there is not. There's one. There isn't one. And especially if you try to break it down by any length or a bolt face size or anything like that, there isn't any one that's like the clear standout. This is the one everybody loves. Right. And then there's a bunch of these others that people just get. Like in McMillan, that's the opposite situation. There's about 15 stocks that amounts for 85 percent of all of our sales. Mm-hmm. And then there's then there's the other 200. <laughs> <laughs> right. In, in defiance, that's not the case. Right. It's much more uh, complex, you know, much more blended than that. So, okay. All yeah. right. Very good. Well, look, talk to me about, and, and I, I asked this question to all the manufacturers, like let's say that um, you just received a bunch of material. Okay. You, got, you have some steel over here and you have some machines and this steel has not been shaped. It's, it's the diff, just the stock that you've got. How long does it take for that to turn into an action that I can bolt into a stock and go to work. Well, in, in, as the crow flies real world terms, once, once it, we commit to making a particular action, that action can be in a box and on the way to you in about two weeks. Okay. Okay. That's the start to finish cycle time. Yeah. But that's now just, but that's me waiting. Complex. That's me waiting for somebody else who ordered before me. I'm just talking about what the process, how, how much time is into that action, not like from order to delivery. Well, okay. So then you've got, um, again, it gets complex because of all the various different options and varieties, but you're basically looking at, and you're, and there's also, um, there's two different machine styles that are used. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, a, is called a Kitamura where, uh, we have to do a couple different ops. Mm-hmm. And then the other is the Nakamura where it can do it all at one time. Okay. So the, um, so now looking so setting aside all the small parts of which there are numerous small parts, mm-hmm. all the various different little things that are, get attached and all that stuff. Um, the actual receivers and bolts themselves, when you take a piece of metal and you stick it into a machine on the Kitamura side of things with all the operations, um, machine time, you're looking at about 75 minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, on the Nakamura's start to finish machine time, uh, on a given receiver, it's closer to 50. Okay. Okay. And And then in, in general, but then that you you still haven't installed the springs, your extractors, your pins, uh, you know, for your. No, that's yeah, yeah. When I talk about the two weeks, like mm-hmm. like I said, if if we walked it through the process, mm-hmm. it's about two weeks okay. because it's you have to let things have to go through a um, a deburring process. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's an assembly and a disassembly. If you and put nitride into it, you can add another week to that. Okay. Um. So start to finish for everything. It's about two weeks for all the various little bits and pieces and everything else tied together. Okay. Um, so that, that's how long it takes to make one action at any given time. Okay. All right. And Sorry, overall. Okay. And y'all have, uh, obviously you have a lot of actions being worked on at the same time. So that's, that's nice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the reason why it takes 12 to 15 months to get one is because there's a long line. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. That's that's, the, that's, that's the called time. capitalism. I like that a lot. Right. <laughs> so it works out good. 
You know, it was kind of funny. It was the 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 guy who is is over at uh at Voodoo who builds the little uh, the the barreled actions for Voodoo Gunworks, the twenty twos. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. when I met him a long time ago. He actually came down here and took a class, and this was before the twenty two craze. And you could order a Voodoo and you could have it in a week. And now I think I saw today is like eighteen months, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. that works out good. Well, good deal. Yeah. Well, um. I see that y'all also have action wrenches and tools. Let's see. Let's see what that is. Yeah, you got your action wrench here and then firing pin disassembly tool. All right. Talk to me about that. You know, basically, we uh, have such a high demand for our actions. We don't want to make a lot of uh, accessories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when our, it's a basic, um, to some degree, it's like a Remington 700 footprint. Right. So there's a lot of tools out there. That, that disassembly tool is for um, some of our bolts have a 24 TPI uh, bolt shroud thread mm-hmm. uh, versus the half 13 that uh, Remington 700 has. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a tool wasn't readily available. It was said, okay, we'll supply it. Um, and the action wrench is, you know, we, um, it's as much time and effort we put into these receivers to make sure they're, uh, you know, perfect. We don't want someone to damage them trying to, you know, screw a barrel on or off, uh, you know, with a hundred foot pounds. So we, we made a really nice wrench that, that will protect the receiver when you're uh, swapping barrels and stuff. Okay. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. And so I noticed that we're going here and y'all do have triggers and it looks like y'all are pretty hip on the uh, trigger tech. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll jump in. So we are getting out of the accessories um, business altogether. And what, what I mean by that is there are some things on the website that are still available. We're, we're selling those off and we're actually getting rid of some excess inventory. Mm-hmm. It's been my experience through the other companies that I've dealt with that manufacturers make very poor retailers. Mm-hmm. And so for for us to um, to be in the business of trying to retail bottom metals and scope rings and all that kind of stuff. It's, it frankly is just a distraction. And I've, I've seen this in other entities as well. So we're getting away from all that. So that may be there today, but in the not too distant future, you're going to see less and less of that from defiance. And we're going to lean on the Brownells and the midways and the, you know, whoever else distributes that kind of stuff on a regular basis to satisfy those guys. Cause they're, they're set up to do that. Right. You know, they're in a much stronger place to make that stuff. We can focus on the critical manufacturing of actions and they can, they can focus on that, what they're good at. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. So another thing that had come up and I even, I even, I was looking at this earlier when we were talking, but, and then I went over to your, your, um, your facts and it was, it was a question that I had and I was going to, you know, put it to y'all and I go over and I look at it right here. And when I said, what I want to know is which bolt nose is better. And you go, it depends. Every (laughs) choice has its advantages and trade-offs. That's why we customize to your needs. So let's say, and it says right there, ask ourselves staff for the recommendation. So here I am. I'm asking you, what do you, what do you think I, I need for a the nose on my bolt and why? Okay, I'll take that one. Um, you know, obviously we have this Remington 700 footprint and there are some interchangeable parts and stuff with that uh, platform. Mm-hmm. So the, re- the recessed bolt nose is like a Remington. It's mm-hmm. designed to have a counterbore in the breech of the barrel and it goes up in there and that's, that's how that fits. Mm-hmm. Now Remington's had a different extractor. So their, you know, their, their concept of, of that being, you know, kind of sealed off was, is why they went that way. And 
Um, you know, we use the mini 16 extractor, so it kind of changes that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still very common. So, um, it's, it's tried and true. It works. Uh, there's, there's really no issues with it whatsoever. Um, the, one of the benefits of it would be, um, the prefit barrels that are out there for, mm-hmm. for our actions and, and, um, and stuff. They're just basically just like a Remington or for a gunsmith that knows how to do a Remington. You, ours are the same, just you know, measure, measure it up and, and do it properly. Uh, so, so why isn't that the best thing for everything? Well, be, be, because we're able to do some unique things. Um, and once again, we're, we're set up to, we're set up to be agile and, and, and do something different and not have a completely messed up production. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by having a flat bolt nose, so everything else is the same except those locking lugs on the bolt extend all the way to the very front of the bolt. Right. What you're doing is you're, incre- you're increasing the shear strength on that bolt. Okay. Um, well, that, that sounds good, right? Because that, that that steel is deflecting under pressure a little bit, right? Right. Uh, and you can you can minimize that a little bit. Well, um, it's it, it's it's great. Now, people generally aren't making prefit barrels for for that bolt nose and our actions. That's one thing. Um, two, it's probably not necessary for most cartridges. It's not necessary for any cartridge uh, uh-huh. that, that, that we, you know, you can do 330 Lapua's and still have the recess. That's not a problem. But on a cartridge that has a larger bolt face like the 330 Lapua, um, you know, if you've got 65,000 PSI in the chamber, it's pounds per square inch. There's more mm-hmm. square inches on a Lapua bolt face, uh, you know, the head. So transferring energy into the bolt than there is on a 308. Mm-hmm. So, um, in, in fact, I think there's, I think there's twice as much surface area on a 330 Lapua than there is on a uh, 223, for instance. Mm-hmm. And 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 223s may be small, but they still operate at around the same um, chamber pressure. Right? Sure, yeah, lighter so, bullets, the whole bit. Yep. So what we can do if you're doing a larger magnum where you have these uh, more surface area and you're gonna you're really gonna get more deflection, you can go ahead and go to that flat bolt nose. Uh, and, and, and minimize the deflection of that a little bit. And, and, and that's, and that's good. And it's just not really necessary, like with a 308 and stuff, cause it's, they're, they're engineered to handle that. Right. So, okay. Well, and Jacob up and up until recently, as far as I was concerned, there was only a cone bolt. That's the only thing that existed in the world. Right. <laughs> right. But everything I shot was single shot competition custom guns. So right. it's yeah. just the way that we're right. Made, so. And, and, and yeah, for those, uh, people shooting bench rest or F class and, and want a single shot receiver, uh, they're not feeding out of a magazine that, that round is going to lay in the, in the, in the, the bolt bar of the receiver and it's gravity makes it lay at the bottom. Right. So, um, as opposed to a repeater where the feed ramp is, is angling the, the tip of the bullet towards the chamber. It, it doesn't really happen with a single shot. So if you do a coned bolt nose, the gunsmith will cut a coned breech on the barrel, which acts as a funnel for that round to find its way into the chamber. Right. Okay. Well, cool. Well, um, looking at your, looking at your, um, you know, the pictures of the actions that you have. And, uh, one of the reasons that I did as one of the guys that was shooting bench rest, um, he, he had his receiver. I don't remember what it was. This is years and years ago, but he had a port on both sides. And I thought, why do you do that? Well, because he, you know, puts his single shot, you know, just single shot bench rest. So he put it in on one side, take it out on the other, put it in on one side, take it out on the other, because it was just, you know, everything was right in the front of that action. And it looks like that your, your anti X doesn't have a lot of meat on it. Kind of, kind of interesting looking action there. 
Yeah, there, there's, you know, in all the places that take that take pressure and and mm-hmm. need, it's it's all there. Right. Um, but the, the the side of the receiver has a kind of a little bit of a slab cut on it. We've got some pockets cut into the the top half in, yeah. in places, and the um, the integral scope mounts, which are, you know, so I mean they're machined into the pre hardened four sixteen steel. They have pockets cut into them because they don't need to be solid right there. Right. Right. Well, on that, it looks like it's it's really open, except on the left side, you know, where where you have it's like where it says defiance right there on the on the left side of the <laughs> anti X. It seems like that you could even get rid of that if you wanted to. I don't know. I think we've taken enough material off it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty yeah, skeletonized. Some people, yeah, yeah. To, to get to the to get to the very light the very light result that that action has mm-hmm. you know there are some people that they you know physics you know there's no free lunch of physics so now you've got potential rigidity issues you know potentially what does that do to how you mount your scope and you right. know is there any point of impact differences there so it's all of these things that the thing that i think defiance represents more than anything else is options is yeah. choices and if you know what you're going to do and you know what benefits it in whatever direction that is benefited then defiance has a number of of uh, options you can utilize for that end goal. Um, but yeah, the, so that's why, you know, you see something like that. It's like, well, shoot, we'll just chop that all off and it'll be as light as heck. Well, there, there's already a rigidity um, element to that action right. that has to be taken into consideration. And uh, so that, so there's, you know, it's that, it's that balance of all these different factors that come together to be whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And yeah, the, and the bench rest guys with the ports that go all the way through, you know, the, the notion that the rigidity had, there's that top rib that basically gave you the rigidity. Right. And plus, you know, the, the powder puff, I mean, I say powder puff, the low recoil energy cartridges that they're using, mm-hmm. um, the stiffness isn't as super critical. And so having that pass through allows them to go faster. And there are some that even have drop ports where it yep. drops right at the bottom, yep. you know, so it's. Um, it's just that, you know, trying to play with physics and come up with the best possible set of combinations that gets you where you want to go in terms of results. That's what defiance offers, uh, more so than I believe any other, any other brand does for sure. Well, good, good. Well, man, what, what do y'all, um, what do y'all think you have coming up in the future? We, I'm looking at, I'm looking at a pretty full website here with, as, as far as, you know, available, uh, actions and different bolts and, and, you know, tangs and shrouds. And I got all, what, what else is there, man? What's, what's, what's on the horizon? Well, Mike, is it okay if I jump in? Sure. Yeah. So the, the, the thing that we're focusing on most right now is making sure that defiance maintains its high level of quality and that we increase output as much as we can under the circumstances and plan going forward. Now we do have a few products um, that are being developed um, that I, I don't want to speak too much on them now because the aspects of them that are being developed aren't certain yet. Okay. So the, it might be different than the, what I characterize for you today may be a different result by the time we actually get there, but we should see that probably um, sometime around the end of this year, maybe a little bit into next year that we actually have some exciting new brand new defiance products to put out there. Um, the thing that I think, uh, related to defiance that is most exciting long-term is what we're doing in terms of the overall strategy with the different companies and how that's going to positively impact um, gun builders down the road uh, is the thing that I'm most excited about. 
But in the short term, we are going to have some new products. They're just not fully resolved as to what the different features are going to be finalized yet. All right. Well, let me know when you can talk about that some more because I would love to. <laughs> I'd love to visit. And I, I always get real excited when companies are coming out with new stuff. So yeah, good for sure. Well, mm-hmm. good. Well, guys, uh, thank you again for taking the time, and most of all, you know, thank you for supporting our our endeavors down here at Rifles Only and all the other places that y'all support. You know, for matches that you putting stuff on the table, certificates and everything else, and it goes it's greatly appreciated. And that's uh, you know that's I think that's why you have I think that's why you have a wait time because you know the people know that you guys are are putting it back. We, we have y'all's banner up here in our team room and it's been there for years and uh, appreciate all the support over the years. And, and thanks again for taking the time to just visit with me. Thank, thank you, Jacob. Appreciate your time. All right. Very yeah, good. Thank you, Jacob. You and Lisa are doing great work and we really appreciate you guys. So thank you. Very good. Well, stay on with me. I'm going to outro this. Stay on and we'll we'll chat just a little bit after this is over. All right, guys. Uh, keep in mind, go to the Rifles Only website, uh, classes, stuff in the pro shop. Uh, we're getting our fall schedule sorted out, looking for some stuff in some new locations as well. Um, again, if you have any questions to the crew from Defiance, uh, ROAP at RiflesOnly.com, Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. I'll be back to you guys next week. Take care.